N. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, South Bay Spotlight, on January 23rd, 2020. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a really beautiful place to do just This segment of the South Bay Show is brought to you by Your Actualized Visions, a local advertising agency. Your Actualized Visions offers all your advertising needs under one roof. From logo design, business cards, banners, and signage, to online services such as website design, SEO management, promotional videos, reputation management, and loyalty promotions, you name it and Your Actualized Visions will handle it for you on time and under budget. Built on the needs of their clients, your Actualized Visions is competitively priced and economical, saving you money and greatly enhancing your bottom line. At Your Actualized Visions, customer service is all local with one point of contact. No more dealing with robo-answering machines, getting the runaround, or speaking to someone in another country. Your Actualized Visions understands your hyper-local advertising needs and focuses on bringing you real clients. They do not buy likes followers, or fake results. Your campaigns are real, built with real community followers who want to purchase your services and products. The only thing standing in the way of your company's success is you now picking up the phone right now and calling your Actualized Visions at 310-413-8773. To learn more about what your Actualized Visions can do for you and your company, visit the website at youractualizedvisions.com. Your actualized visions, your dreams today, not someday. I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. And, of course, I'm not alone because of our great partnership with SouthBayByJackie.com and executive producer of the South Bay Show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, how are you? I'm well, Joe. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Working hard as ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all we all are. Uh, you know, I, I, I work harder than anybody. Um, but I have to ask you, uh, where, where yeah. were you Monday night? Where were you Monday night? (laughs) I knew you weren't going to let me get away with that. MLK Day is very, very special, and I am thrilled that Redondo Beach has, you know, become uh, a a destination for an MLK Day uh, celebration. I just couldn't make it Monday night. No, sorry. Family Uh, obligations. uh, Well, guess, guess who did? Yeah, you were there. I saw yeah. and Oh my goodness. It was great. It was great. It was really really yeah. terrific. I have to tell you. Um they started with uh clips, uh snippets clips. Yeah. I don't know what you call I don't know what you call audio clips, but um of some of some parts of his most famous speeches. Uh, you know, yeah. I've been to the mountain. I have a dream. You know, you know, a couple of the, you know the big. Uh, they they had the speaker set up and and we listened 
uh, for a few minutes to to some of those famous speeches, which was very moving. You know, I mean, yeah. I know we've all yeah. heard them, but it was very, very moving. Uh, you know, it's like it's a nice thing about living in current times is that we have that, you know, audio. You know, 150 mm-hmm. years ago, we didn't mm-hmm. have that. Uh, so, so, so we right. listen to that. Corbin Jones and his band played music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I have to tell you, I was completely ignorant. I had no idea that there was a black national anthem. Did no. you know that? <laughs> yeah. No. Did you no, know that? I didn't. Okay, no. then I don't feel so bad. Then I don't feel so bad. But they had a woman <laughs> sing it. It it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, you know, she she yeah. had a voice. It was it was beautiful. Um, they they unveiled, uh, and and I love this. They they did a, a, a memorial, but instead of doing you know a bust, a statue, uh, you know a stone mm-hmm. set someplace with words on it, uh, they did a bench. Mm-hmm. You know, which I love. Mm-hmm. It's practical. You know, it's practical. It's useful. It's pra- practical. It's right in front of the police station, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, 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 there might be a lot of perps sitting in it. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, but <laughs> but it was. They had coffee and cupcakes. They had a great turnout. They had a terrific turnout. Um, I got there and and literally was bumping into people left and right that I knew that I know, and I got to yeah. finally meet Goody. You know, it's so funny on oh, the yeah. show. We have all these we have all these people on the show and what most people don't realize is that we don't know them personally. You know, we've never right. met in person, you know, that's in this day and age with the internet and all of this, you know, we have all these people right. on the podcast, but we've never met them in right. person. So I got to meet Captain John Naylor, I got to meet Goody, I saw Tanya um, and a whole bunch of other people there. It was a really, really good turnout. Uh, it was, it was, it was a lovely, lovely event. And I'm very excited that now, that Redondo Beach is doing this. It is, it, it is amazing and and very exciting that Redondo Beach has made that move. And and I think we're turning a corner. Many, many um, communities are making that commitment to celebrate uh, MLK Day uh, and and as you said, his, his oratory, uh, amazingly inspiring. But Jackie, do you remember how old Martin Luther King Jr. was when he died? Yes, he was 39. Is 39. that incredible? Oh, life cut short. Awful. To have such an impact, to achieve a doctorate, to to achieve all the things that he achieved in his short life, amazing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. you should yeah. be smacking yourself upside the head for not being there. Yeah, just yeah. saying, just Thank saying, you. just saying. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hope my head is hurting. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was great. You know, I'm not sure, but you know, people send me information on their events. And as far as I know, the only other local MLK event is uh, in Gardena. They had a parade last Saturday. They have a, a parade and a big celebration mm-hmm. and stuff in Gardena. I don't know of any other South Bay cities other than Redondo Beach now that are that are doing that. Maybe Tor- I gotta believe Torrance has something. But as I said, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 
Anybody, yeah. anybody out there, you have an MLK celebration, send me the information next year and I'll post it. And you'll get a better turnout. Right. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Fantastic. Fantastic. Kudos to Redondo Beach. Yes. It was yeah. good. All right. Shall we get right wow. into this? Because I'm very excited about this. Well, you know what? There is something about the natural world around us that is really special. We talk about the food, the amazing uh, people that we meet here in the in the South Bay, um, the 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 amazing businesses uh, that impact the whole world. Really, literally, the whole world. We have one of the leading uh, optometrists in the country <laughs> here in Manhattan Beach. It's just, oh, my God, everything that you have in the South Bay is amazing. But the natural world around us is spectacular. The, some of the trails in Palos Verdes are simply breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, and the Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy has been preserving that for us, and now they're doing something else. Jackie, who's our guest today? Okay, our guest this morning is Susan Wilcox, Director of Development for the Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy. Now, Susan has over 30 years of experience working in the nonprofit world and 24 years experience in fundraising. She oversees the marketing and communications activities, as well as the community outreach events for the PVPLC, and is directly involved in planning the fundraising activities while refining these to fit with the mission of the Conservancy. She launched the film festival and curates the selection of films each year. Now, Susan has a BA in literature from the University of California, Berkeley, and an MBA in marketing from the University of Southern California. Susan was born in France and lived in Fontainebleau as well as in Heidelberg, Germany, before moving to California. Now, this morning, we're going to learn about the annual Wild and Scenic Film Festival taking place on Sunday, January 26th at 4 p.m. at West High School in Torrance, and what attendees can expect. Welcome to the program, Susan. We're so glad you could join us this morning. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Mm. Well, we're did we're, want, we're thrilled to have you. Did you want me to, to just you. say a little bit about it? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. you know, at, no, no. As I said, Joe Joe will steer the conversation. We like to get background, okay. a little history, um, before we get into the details of the uh, the film festival. Um, yeah, Susan, I mean, the bottom line is uh, many people, unfortunately, many people don't know what the Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy is. So we want to start there. We we just want people to know what it means to preserve land and restore habitat for the education and, and enjoyment of all. Can you please explain Yes, so the Conservancy began about 32 years ago as the dream of um, a husband-wife team, Bill and Barb Ayler, who were out walking on these beautiful trails and suddenly realized that the area had become sufficiently popular that all the land might be gobbled up with housing and streets and infrastructure. And they set about planning, um, meeting with various cities to talk about what it would take to actually purchase various uh, parcels of land to preserve them as they were or as they now are 
um, and protect them from being developed so that uh, residents in the area and the community at large would be able to come enjoy the views and be uh, able to access the world outdoors. So in total at this point, there are 1,600 acres of coastal, mostly coastal view land um, that have been protected from development. Um, the city of Rancho Palos Verdes holds title to most of that. Um, 1,400 of the acres are in Rancho Palos Verdes, about 100 acres in San Pedro, and the other 100 acres approximately in Rolling Hills Estates. So they're all fairly close to each other, but the one contiguous parcel that is the largest is 1,000 acres in Rancho Palos Verdes. And our work right. actually is to bring the land back to its original um, health and um, uh, of both plants and wildlife. And so we have some endangered species to the area, Palos Verdes blue butterfly, um, and then the uh, local uh, coastal gnat catcher and cactus wrens. And so we provide, we grow the plants, we grow the Bring, collect the seeds and then grow the plants and then put them in the ground um, five new acres at a time as a minimum each year and are working mm -hmm. you know, to make all of it back to a beautiful, beautiful um, habitat and, uh, and, and landscape for people to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what possible objection can people have besides developers wanting to make money to the conservancy of land in Palos Verdes. Are there any objections or have you run across well, objections? The, I think, no, there are no objections to having open land in general. I think um, the 100 par mm -hmm. acre parcel in San Pedro was actually obtained through a public process and discussion that uh, sort of looked at passive versus uh, active recreation. So there had been uh, different community groups that wanted baseball and soccer fields and things of that sort. And the community actually came out uh, in favor of, of keeping it a natural land um, rather than developing soccer fields. But I think the people who wanted the fields there originally, some of them probably still wish they were there. Um, however, it is a huge draw and all kinds of dock walkers and just general walkers come out and enjoy that land. The land in Palos Verdes mm -hmm. has a slightly different history. The city had been formed by community members um, who wanted to create a separate uh, city from the city of Los Angeles uh, specifically to protect all of the views because, as you stated just a few minutes ago, they are so dramatic and so spectacular. And so, um, so there was a tremendous amount of concern and desire in Palos Verdes dating back to its founding of wanting to protect views and wanting to minimize uh, the number of, of homes and residents. So there was a mm -hmm. tremendous interest in open land. Interesting. So, so that, wow, yeah, um, very uh, specifically found it a city to protect the the views and and the nature uh, on these cliffs, which would have been covered with condos and all manner of development if not protected. We all know. That's right. That's right. I think the original group called itself Save Our Coast and they produced t-shirts mm -hmm. that had the, the sock name on it. 
And I think their main hmm. intention was to prevent housing. Um, at that time, I don't think there was as much awareness for the rare birds and butterflies in the area. Um, but it had mm-hmm. the effect of prolonging the lives of those um, animals and, uh, and insects. And so uh, as the momentum grew and as the movement developed and then became um, a place where we could form a land conservancy, then that's that's when the land conservancy came in. And that's when the habitat issues and the wildlife and the birds and all that came into play. I should add that mm-hmm. um, the conservancy worked really closely with the cities and willing sellers. And ultimately, more than $40 million was raised to make the purchases of the land and um, and protect the land for uh, perpetuity. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a large mm-hmm. undertaking. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a, a and question. We, um, how, mm-hmm. how, how, do you know how long ago the city of Palos Verdes was formed? How, what it's year? 50, it's, it's 50 plus years. Uh, let's see. I think it's 53 years ago now. I'm, okay. I'm going from memory, which is a bit of a dangerous just, thing. But we sell. Mm-hmm. We. I was just curious if um, the Vanderlips had any hand in that because I know that they, uh, the original Vanderlip came out and purchased. I think it was like something like 16,000 acres on the peninsula, um, and right. and he had he had a big development plan that didn't end up happening. Um, and I was just curious if if they if that you know that's such a good question. I think it uh, I'm trying to remember the exact timing because I am friends with the Vanderlips. I believe they were already living in Europe at the time that all of this took place um, when uh, when Mr. Vanderlip Ellen Vanderlip's husband died, um, she moved to France and sent her children to boarding school in Switzerland. And I think that would have been right around the mid-60s. So I'm not really sure that they uh, even had the opportunity to be participating in that. Uh, But certainly their own property um, and their philosophy for the peninsula um, was such that it would have been completely in alignment with preserving land. Okay. All right. All right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, Um, we are thankful for the Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy and all that they do. And if anyone has any more questions, they can find out everything about it at PVPLC, Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy, pvplc.org. But now um, you're participating in something that, you know, is very near and dear to our hearts, which is media local media radio but you're you're participating in something that's going to try to galvanize the popular imagination about the environment um tell us about that what a great way to describe it um we are presenting i think this is now our sixth year um what what we call the wild and scenic film festival on tour the home festival takes place in Yuba City up in Northern California, just east of Sacramento area. And they have a three-day festival, which actually just occurred last weekend. And then they make available the a selection of the films from their festival to the on-tour presenters around the country. Actually, I think it's now also into Canada. So we have a two-hour slice of the main festival 
And we presented um, the first set of these um, on Sunday, January 12th in San Pedro. And then the exact same festival repeats this coming Sunday, January 26th in Torrance. The uh, San Pedro location Mm -hmm. had 800 patrons, if you can imagine. So very um, fabulous turnout. And we have 500 seats for our presentation in Torrance. Um, We've sold half those seats now already. So we are expecting a full house. And the films range from, I think our shortest one is a two-minute film, and the longest one this year is, I think, 23 minutes. And they range um, from a spectacular uh, footage, actually, in the mountains of France of a night uh, flight, I guess you would call it, of a skier using one of those spectacular wind sails and flying at night um, down the slopes of, uh, of France um, in, the, in the snowy hills all the way to a PhD student doing research on fishing belts in Mexico, um, to uh, bison uh, that have been moved into the Henry Mountains and are roaming free, and um, to a group of women who call themselves the Great Old Broads for Wolves, and they do a lot of wolf uh, tracking and understanding where the wolves are and how they're doing. And then all the way to um, Jordan to go climbing on the side of, of Rocky Mountains. Um, it's just a spectacular film, a festival that gives you a chance to see a whole range of ways that people really do make a difference and how their interest in nature um, can find new knowledge, can help preserve um, land, and uh, that no no single person should feel that their own life can't have an impact on nature. Um, what we particularly enjoy about presenting a film festival is that it allows multi-generational participation. And uh, whereas mm-hmm. it might be difficult for grandparents and grandchildren to equally enjoy steep hillsides, they can all have the same experience um, sitting in a theater um, enjoying nature and then going home and talking about their favorite films and, and what motivated them and, uh, to to see them and, and things of that sort. This year, we also had a filmmaker who was with us, um, a, a man by the name of Wiley Overstreet, who lives in Los Angeles and is a nature photographer. And his film tied um, as one of the two favorites of the festival. Uh, it's called A New View of the Moon. And it's this wonderful three-minute film where he's taken his very powerful telescope out into the streets of Los Angeles. So you have Disney Concert Hall in the background or Griffith Park Observatory in the background or the Santa Monica Ferris Wheel in the background and people coming up to his telescope. And the fun thing is that he's edited it so well and you'll have – you know, small children and older adults and someone who looks like he might be a street person all coming up and saying, oh, my God, as they look at the moon through the telescope. And it just um, Mm. reminds us all just what a wonder it is to enjoy nature and enjoy really taking it in rather than just walking down the street and uh, to mm-hmm. look up and enjoy the moon or um, or the birds or whatever it might be that are near you. So it, it's a really inspiring mm. film. And a couple of people pulled me aside and said they had tears in their eyes at the end of that movie. So, yeah. <laughs> mm. Wow. I 
I love it. I love it. I love it. I was just listening recently to um, <clears throat> the the sounds of Neil Armstrong uh, setting foot on the moon as the first mm-hmm. man, and and it, his his initial commentary was, it's very powdery and it's very fine, and mm-hmm. kind of the 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 surface of the moon is solid but 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 you can kick up the dust very easily and it just floats and it, it's just all so important that the world here down here understands that that we are not just caretakers of this planet that sustains us but we're caretakers of the entire universe in a in a sense and mm-hmm. the moon and you know, it, 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 it allows us to see things from a new perspective. And that same is when you hug a sequoia 1,200 feet tall, you get a different perspective about trees. <laughs> you, you get a different perspective about something, a 1,000 or 1,500-year-old tree. You, you understand something about your place in the world and life and and uh, uh, so you know, I have a uh, I have I have a picture of me in front of one of those great sequoias years ago. Girlfriend and I went up to uh, King Kings Canyon and Sequoia National Park, and Kings Canyon. we did a ro- we we did a road trip, and and I I stood at the base of one, and I said to her, mm. you know, see if you can get the whole tree in, you know. And she kept mm-hmm. backing up and back, mm. backing up. <laughs> and the picture, it's a great picture. Uh, I, I, I developed it in black and white. You, first off, we couldn't get the whole tree in. You know, it was just so mm-hmm. tall. But you can't, you wouldn't even know I was in that picture. I am so tiny mm. compared to that tree. Mm. You, you, I mean, you have to, mm. you know, I would have to point out to you, hey, that's me standing there. That's how big they are. Uh, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's yeah, they're, that's a, they're right. just a, that's a great image, and I think the the grandeur of it all is is part of what we try to capture. So the way you just described that is a is certainly part of what we're trying to reinforce in the selection of the films is that we're part of something that's very large, and um, and mm-hmm. very important and very grand and very beautiful. Um, nevertheless that each person really can make a difference. Um, it gets hard sometimes for people to remind themselves of both of those details, just how vast, how big, how important it all is, and then conversely how each person has an opportunity to really make a difference. And I should add in that we do have, we don't do a parade um, for MLK Day, but we did have a volunteer day uh, this year with about two or 300 people working in our nature preserve in San Pedro. And we will again next mm-hmm. year. So, um, you know, we do find lots and lots of ways to involve people very specifically in restoring the habitat here. And some of the land mm-hmm. that had previously been overtaken with, you know, non-native plants, which we consider to be weeds in the areas where we're trying to do restoration. Once the native plants are back, you know, we get all of the native birds come back. Just beautiful 
whole uh, wafts of meadow larks that come flying in, and they weren't even around in the fields uh, that we've restored until the restoration. So I think um, whether whether it's through high school volunteer requirements or adults wanting to find a meaningful way to have impact on their communities, the whole age range of people who become involved and then take pleasure in seeing how the land recovers. It, um, it, it takes a lot of work, but it doesn't take much when you consider how damaged it has been for years to see the recovery happen. And then gradually it just, it kind of snowballs. Um, so it's exciting and we, we will be having um, gatherings uh, for Earth Day as well as for Endangered Species Day. And much like for um, this festival that we just had and that we're doing again now this coming weekend, we do films. So we'll be showing Never Cry Wolf, which is a w- wonderful Disney mm-hmm. film. Um, and because of the w- wolf exterminations that happened for so long, but now a happy recovery for some of them on, in this country, um, it's just kind of a nice thing for um, Endangered Species Day. And on Earth Day, we're going to be showing um, a locally made film, locally as in Los Angeles, um, by Louis Schwartzberg, and it's a movie called Fabulous Fungi. And we're really mm. looking forward to showing that. Um, the emphasis on that is you know, simple mushrooms that you might see as you're walking along um, have a massive root system that um, form a very interesting and important a set of nutrients to to our land. So um should be a really interesting movie for people to see. You know, that that's interesting mm. that you brought up wolves. Um I was watching Sixty Minutes last Sunday night and uh it they it was like a nature special. You know, it was all about, you know, nature and, and animals and stuff and they they did a, a segment on, on the wolves of Yellowstone. Um I, I yeah. knew, you know, from reading history that that wolves you know, were, were, you know, there was a bounty on them. You know, shoot, shoot a wolf, you, you bring it in, you, you get some money for it. I didn't realize that we had exterminated wolves in this country. There, there wasn't mm-hmm. a wolf to be found. And, and when they ended up repopulating Yellowstone with wolves, they had to go to Canada and get Canadian wolves. There wasn't a wolf to be found mm-hmm. in the United States. That, that's how efficient mm-hmm. we were at exterminating them, which is a whole other story. But, um, Joe, let's do our station break, and when we come back, I have some questions. Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay Show, and we're featuring something about the South Bay which is ancient and beautiful. It's our natural environment, and we're we're thrilled to be doing that in uh connection with the Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy, but we bring this show to you every Thursday and Friday at 8 a.m., live, local news about something in the South Bay that is important to you, and whether it's a a business or a a governmental uh, uh, impact Mm -hmm. or or, uh, issue, uh, we bring this to you every Thursday morning. This is the South Bay Spotlight every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And every Friday morning at 8 a.m., it's Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, proudly sponsored by the Manhattan Beach Chamber. Uh, so that focuses on all those same issues 
but with an emphasis on Manhattan Beach, the city, and the members of the Manhattan Beach Chamber. So please join us. And of course, we're proud to announce that now you can always hear us by just saying, hey, Siri, play the South Bay Show, or hey, Google, uh, play the South Bay Show, or Alexa, play the South Bay Show podcast. So join us with your smart speaker or Alexa or Siri, and uh, we will be joining you in the future. Now, Jackie, you have some questions. Yeah, yeah, I do. But it's funny, you know, uh, last week, I think it was, I, 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 I spoke into my phone. And I said, hey, Siri, play me the South Bay Show podcast. And she did. It's very easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy. I, I couldn't believe how easy it was. Never mind links for the show or going to my website right. or the uh, – or the Blog Talk Radio website. You don't you don't have to you know peck and hunt to find it anymore. You just speak out loud and and it'll right. play for you. And you know what I always say because we're on at eight in the morning. Do it in your car on your way to work, right? You're right. in your car driving right. instead instead of listening right. to the drivel on the radio. You can uh, right. just say into your right. phone, "Hey, Siri, uh, play the South Bay Show podcast." I love that. Um, Susan, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, the, you mentioned the PV blue butterfly. Is that different than the El Segundo blue butterfly? It is. And I'm so glad you asked about that because we do have both here. The um, El Segundo blue, blue butterfly is coastal. It lives on the cliffs. The Palos Verdes blue butterfly lives a little bit more inland on south-facing slopes. And they actually are butterflies at a different time of year. So the PV blue butterfly uh, is usually in flight as a butterfly around April, and whereas the El Segundo uh, blue butterfly is more like in July. Um, and they are, yeah, they look different. They have a different life. They, um, but they are important, both of them, to, to us. The El Segundo blue butterfly um, has survived in much larger number, um, and so uh, they're not imperiled the way the Palsurdes blue butterfly is. But we're always thrilled to see new populations of either. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. no, mm-hmm. you know it's it's funny. Um, I was on a previous show several years ago. Um, I was we, we I can't remember who we had on what the, what the topic was, but it's so interesting when um, you know for years you know my husband and I you know walk along the Esplanade in Redondo Beach and. It, it 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 used to be a horror, you know. It it was hard pack dirt. It was dirt. There was there was no greenery at all. Uh, the sidewalk was cracked. I, you know, people's animals did their business, didn't clean it up. It was just it was horrendous. And then when they when they rejuvenated it and re, redid the whole esplanade, and um, it was the uh, what was what, what was the Sea Lab people. Uh, went mm. through and planted native plants. They pulled out most of that uh, ice plant and they, and they planted native plants to the area. And I swear within weeks, there was so much wildlife down there. You'd be walking and a lizard would run over your feet. There were butterflies, there were birds, there were little burrowing rodents um, that I never saw before. And and all of a sudden, you know, you just put a couple of plants in there, and as you were saying with the birds, they come back. It, I, I mean, it's yeah. it's really amazing, you know, the damage that we as humans can do to the environment, and 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 some, uh, you know, a little a little hard work, you can bring back the you know the original inhabitants um, 
which brings me to that my next question. Um, I've seen th- there's a guy Jeff Hagens. Hoggins, Hagens, Hoggins, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, that we've had on the show. We had him on years ago. His father, I believe, was an avid photographer, and his son, Jeff, has just a treasure trove of photographs of the South Bay um, from, you know, 100 Hmm. years ago. Uh, And I've seen many photographs of the Palisades Peninsula before it was developed. And it was basically mm. a bald hill. There, there were really no trees up there. It was, it was all grasses. And now, as we all mm. know, there's you know, uh, you know, pepper trees, eucalyptus trees. You know, there's there, there's all these trees that were brought in uh, that are that are not native to the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm uh, Susan. I'm I'm curious. How does how does that fit in with what? the PVPLC is doing as far as native stuff. Like when you get a, a new tract of land for the conservancy, um, I, I, I always post uh, your, your schedule of events on my website every month. And, you know, I see, you know, every month you have people go out there and, and cleaning trails and, and planting and stuff. So when, when you get a new piece of land, do you, do you, do you rid them of the, the non-native species? Like if there's a eucalyptus tree, um, do, do you get rid of that? Or how does that work? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, we, of the 1,600 acres for which we currently have um, land management responsibilities, um, probably more than 500 of those acres need some amount of restoration work to be performed. And that uh, that means that there are invasive plants that should come out, and um, that will give room to native plants to go in. Um, currently, the largest project underway for removing invasive plants, and they do grow to the size of trees, although technically they're considered shrubs, we've been removing the acacia. And the city of Rancho Palos Verdes has been really incredibly foresightful in helping not only the land conservancy to remove the plants from the preserve, but they're also taking them out in other parts of the city of Rancho Palos Verdes. Um, The problem with non-native plants, I mean, some just stay the way they are, like palm trees, you normally just see them standing sort of solo. But many plants become truly invasive, and they just spread all over the place, and there are no natural, quote-unquote, predators. There are no birds or giraffes or elephants or gorillas eating them. And so they become Hmm. unwieldy and large in a setting where they can just kind of go wild, literally go wild. And the acacia plant um, happens to be the number one plant of concern to the L.A. County Fire Department. Um, and there were no cases here until around the mid-60s, and we have aerial photographs to document that. We've removed um, just this year alone, because we received a big grant from the city of Rancho Palos Verdes, we've removed about 60 acres of acacia. And the problem with acacia, in addition to the you know unending desire to spread or ability to spread, is that there, none of our birds can eat what they produce, and so it ends up creating vast areas of foodless plants <laughs> to the birds. Um, it also provides perching material for predatory birds 
that then come down and snack on the cactus wren, for example, who who need the protection of the kind of land that this used to be, sort of bald land. They could see predators coming very easily because there was no disguise around for them to hide in. And the cactus wren mm. are a tiny little bird that that doesn't actually fly more than a mile away from its place of birth. And so we have a very tiny little population now of cactus wren, and we are desperately trying to protect them. And so removing canopies that allow other beautiful birds, <laughs> but that are less imperiled, to perch and then come down and snack on these cactus wren has become an important priority for us. And we're really grateful for, to the city for its desire to remove these plants. Um, on their part, of course, their main concern is uh, fire mitigation, which we have a concern for as well. Um, and so we do plan to, to work toward removing acacia from the entire peninsula. Um, they, when they do burn, they explode like massive firecrackers and they send embers for hundreds and hundreds of feet and are, are very difficult to control. The eucalyptus have a similar um, problem and the other trees that are listed on the LA County Fire Department's uh, list of concerned plants are pine trees, palm trees, pampas grass, which pampas grass is also very invasive. Um, and so, you know, the, we're, we're taking them in order. <laughs> Can't do everything all at once. And um, we're right. not in the process now of buying new land, although we do have our eye on two different parcels. But uh, there's nothing to report or share on any of that at this point. And usually when land has just been purchased, the cost of buying sort of deflates any ability to do very much with the land. We add it to our list of, of projects and priorities and then take them one at a time. Um, our operating mm -hmm. budget is around $2 million a year. And um, in that budget is the primary focus of the land, uh, removal of invasives, the management and ongoing upkeep of natives. And um, there's a lot of weeding that goes on, of course, on acreage like this. Um, and then we also provide a very uh, rigorous educational offering to third graders. Um, 25 different schools in our community come out into the preserves and also have classroom science and nature education offerings. And uh, we, we care deeply about the next generation of conservationists. And so all of those things matter deeply to us. And um, those are the different aspects of what we offer to the community. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And I totally understand, you know, you got, I'm sure you have a list a mile long of things you want to accomplish, but you need money, you need, you need volunteers. Um, but you're, you're doing it. You're, you're, you're doing it a piece at a time. And uh, now is, is Seaside, I think it's called Seaside Trail, uh, that, that walking trail that goes along the coast down to uh, the lighthouse. Um, is that part of the conservancy? So, yes, so the there are fingers of land that follow some of those trails, and then there are vast areas of acreage. Uh, you may, I, I'm not sure if you mean oceanfront trails that uh, is down it there, might, but yes, might, there are yeah, fingers. It might be oceanfront, yes. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's a mixture, you know, there are city parks that are fully owned and operated by the city, and we have, uh, we're not really involved in managing any of the city's parkland. 
although when they choose to plant native plants, we're always eager to be involved in that process of providing plants for the landscaping of, of city parks. And more and more, we're finding that cities are looking to native plants for their, uh, their landscaping. Native plants do need irrigation when they first start out. Otherwise, it's an assured death if they go into the ground and they have no help to start out. But uh, once they're established, uh, they don't need to be irrigated. And so that's a really water-wise way for cities to do some, um, some planning and, and landscaping. And, and we do yeah. grow as many as 50,000 plants in a year. Um, on on consignment, when when it goes that high, we need to know that they're going to be sold. Um, but we can we can really gear up and ramp up. And we plant about fifteen to twenty thousand a year ourselves. And we currently have a group of AmeriCorps students working with us um, through the middle part of April. Um, nine young able bodies out there working eight hour days, five days a week. And we're really grateful to them. They they propel the work forward rather dramatically. Well, the the reason I was asking about that ocean side or whatever it's seaside trail is that because I know I noticed that that is all all seems to be planted with native uh, flora. Um, yes, Joe, mm-hmm. are are you familiar yes, with right. Are you familiar? That's that's one of my favorite places mm. to go for a walk. Is um, we go we Where? park we go down uh, when we go down we park over i think it's embarcadero and and there's and there's a path and then it brings you right out to the coast and you can walk uh, it might be a mile round trip maybe maybe maybe, i'm not even sure but it it brings you all the way down along the coast right on the cliffs to the um the lighthouse Mm -hmm. and uh and the park down there Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of my absolutely favorite walks i mean you know sunday morning you know, just get, you know, on a beautiful day, just get up and go for a walk down there. Um, and, and, and another one of your annual events that I post every year, which I absolutely adore. And I've got to, I've got to go down one year and see it is Susan, you, you bring in goats. Tell us about that. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a very Adopt fun thing. The so the, yes, the goats are so darling and uh, we have a, uh, goat herders that come uh, bring them down from the Mariposa area. So they live up near Yosemite. And um, last year, because there was so much vegetation from the heavy rain, <clears throat> this particular goat her- herder uh, bought an additional, I think it was extra 300 goats. So he now has about 600 goats. And um, they spend several months on the peninsula in various areas. Um, they, if you have ever observed them, they'll eat anything and everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they can only be, and they have to be penned or they go eat everybody's uh, roses and everything else. Uh, so they are managed by three, three men because, you know, it's a 24 hour a day job and, um, and various dogs, there'll be a sheep herding kind of dog who, knows how to move them around and management them. And then there are some very large dogs that, that are the guard dogs for nighttime. And um, it's a very intense and large operation. But we have a lot of hillsides and um, areas that come near people's homes and that are open land have a fire code requirement for clearance of land. It's a bit of a mixed blessing because when you take out plants, 
um, you know, every year, what happens is that the, the weeds that come back are not that desirable. But it's a fire code, and it's to protect the perimeter around residential areas. So um, a certain distance from an occupied residence, not a tree house, but, you know, the house in which people reside, have to be kept clear to meet the fire codes. And so the city hires the goats um, for a very long time to do that kind of work. That's called fuel modification work. And then we bring the goats, the same goats, in to prepare land for restoration. And so they eat out, and we fence anything that needs to be kept. But they eat everything else, and it's mostly mustard and fennel. Um, they'll eat the ice plant and other uh, invasive plants that are in the area as well. In fact, they'll even eat the acacia uh, shrubs, the green pips, which is 10% of the plant. But it's, a, it's still a good start. And, uh, and then we remove anything that they were not able to get, and then we start putting down our irrigation lines and we plant so the Adopt-A-Goat program was a way for us to look at involving the community in learning about what the land restoration is all about, helping us to defray some of the cost of hiring goats to, uh, to remove the, the weeds from an area. And then um, adopting mm-hmm. the goat allows you to then hold a baby goat, get your picture taken with the goat. Of course, most people <laughs> hold the same baby, but we won't get into that. <laughs> it's a virtual adoption. Um, and then it's a fun mistake. <laughs> and uh, what we have found is that people will sometimes give it as a present, and then it makes for a fun outing. And some people come dressed in all their Christmas outfits, and they're going to use it as their Christmas picture. It's just fun. It's a lot of fun. And I love it. Some of I, our I volunteers, love that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of I our volunteers, that. students who come and plant, they are, they're, they're available then to take people around and show the plants that they're putting in the ground and why it matters and what it helps. And so people who might not have understood what we were doing or even why – start to really get into it and get interested in what we're doing. And, um, and it's just a really fun day. Yeah, no, you know something. I post that information every year when you when you bring them in and I, I have to do it. I have, I have to donate one of these. It's, it's like a hundred bucks uh, to, to, to adopt mm-hmm. a goat for, for this, for this every year. Mm-hmm. And as Susan just said, you, you get a day to go and check them out and see them up close in person. You know, goats are very big right now with goat yoga and all this other goat stuff. It's, and it, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's a natural, it's, it's a natural, uh, uh, way to, instead of getting these giant lawnmowers or trucks or vehicles or whatever to go out and make a racket and, oh. and spew pollution and, and, and the goats go and they eat all the bad stuff and they leave their droppings, which is good. And, uh, no, I love the whole goat thing. I, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And, and I would, so people that live there, um, that back up yep. to open land, whether it's you or the city, whether it's PV, PLC or the city, one morning they can wake up and look out their backyard and see a whole herd of goats uh, uh, doing their yeah. thing out there. That's, I think that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, you, you feel a little like you've woken up on a farm or something. And um, what's fun <laughs> yeah. about the babies, too, I mean, when they're newly born, you know, it's amazing to hold a baby and, and see that the hooks are perfectly formed and they've got the little bumps on their heads where the horns are going to come out. And it's just it's it's just amazing, really, to see and um, and such fun to 
to understand the whole process of land restoration. So we're really excited to have mm-hmm. this way of, of sharing our work in the community. And it'll be in April sometime, more than likely this year. And um, mm-hmm. so it's it's around Earth Day, but it's not the same weekend as Earth Day or else it makes us totally crazy trying to coordinate everything. Um, <laughs> and but, six on your go. Yeah, yeah that, that takes a bit of coordination, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily they do have their own truck and team and all of that. But um, for us to coordinate volunteer days and goat days and everything else on the same day would be a bit much. So we, we spread it out a mm-hmm. bit. And um, we we do encourage people to get involved, and, um, and and we're happy to see many of the same people come back year after year just to see what new land we're working on, and um, and to enjoy seeing where the restoration has actually taken hold and how how well it's gotten going. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Right. Thank you for asking it, about that. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, we're we're running out of time here, but there's a couple of things yeah. I I want to mention. First off, uh, Palisades Peninsula Land Conservancy uh, present the annual Wild and Scenic Film Festival this Sunday, January 26th at 4 p.m. at West High School in Torrance. By the way, my husband and I go to this almost every year. We didn't go last year. We had something else we had to do, but. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You go to it, and generally in the lobby, you'll have some tables with information, and you can sign up. You know, uh, you can be a donor to the PVPLC, um, which we do. That's mm-hmm. kind of our annual remember. You know how when you join things, you know, it's a year of membership or whatever, and, and, and it expires and you forget about it. Well, if you go to this uh, film festival every year, you won't forget it. You know, um, before mm-hmm. the movies or after the movies, you can stop and you can sign up and you can you can make a donation, become a member for the year. OK. Um, and mm-hmm. so anyway, West High School is located at 20401 Victor Street in Torrance. Uh, and uh, something else I wanted to mention, since we were talking about uh, exploding acacia trees and uh, uh, eucalyptus trees, the Palos Verdes Peninsula CERT team is going to host a free discussion Stay or go. Uh, it's tonight at 7 p.m. at Hess Park, mm. and basically, mm. it's, you know, in the case of a wildfire or an earthquake, do you evacuate or do you shelter in place? It's an informal, short presentation followed by a Q&A, and it's geared mainly towards the inexperienced peninsula res- resident who's unprepared. Um, and it covers topics like what it'll take to be ready to evacuate your family, what you need to be do to, uh, mm-hmm. to be ready to shelter in place. Uh, duct tape, everybody, duct tape. All right, <laughs> a little more than that, but you always <laughs> should have duct tape. It's a million uses. Um, and and you know, with the wind-driven wildfires, you know, especially, um, and and now these new long-term extended power outages, you know, it's important for people to take some simple steps to help them prepare and protect themselves. So uh, it's a free event, all right? Um, uh, you can uh, The information is on my website. Uh, the URL, I'm not even going to go into it. So it's at Hess Park tonight at 7 p.m., and that, that's important. So uh, if you, if you want to do that. And then I just wanted to mention that tomorrow morning, Joe, on the show, um, mm-hmm. Manhattan Beach 360, we're going to have returning guest Deanne Chase from Chase Law Group. Oh my and God! She's going, this is so yeah, important. It's so important. She's gonna tell us about AB five and all these other new California laws that went into effect this year. Um, boy, oh right. boy, there's some crazy stuff going on. Um, 
and it's going to affect just about every business. So she's going to be on the show tomorrow to talk about that. Very, very important uh, for every business owner to know. So um, I just wanted to get those things in before we sign off. Right. Yeah, I've been hearing so many crazy stories, Jackie, about, I don't know, landscapers being affected and all kinds of businesses being affected. These independent contractors that you use on a regular basis, as you said, your gardener or your pool guy or something. Right. I don't know. They're talking oh about making them, you got to treat them like employees or something. It's ridiculous no, what's happening. It's, just, and, it's and, crazy. And, yeah. And, well, as you know, I, I do a lot of uh, Uber and Lyft driving and uh, the changes that they're making to the software. And they're they're even giving drivers the option of setting their own rates now in places like Palm Springs because um, that further, you know, enhances their status as an independent contractor. Uh, it's just, it's really crazy what's going on right now. Yeah. 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 So that's going to be a very informative show tomorrow. And Deanne is fabulous. You know, she knows everything. She's, mm-hmm. a, she's a, a local business attorney and she's going to lay it out for everybody. So, um, and again, yeah, yeah. The Wild and Scenic what? Film Festival, Sunday, January 26, 4 p.m. Susan? at West High School. It's it's so great. I mean, we've gone we've gone to most it's of them. As I said, we didn't make it last year, but uh, the films are fantastic. It runs about two hours. You know, it's a yeah. Sunday afternoon. Go, you know, go. Susan Wilcox, <laughs> Director of Development for the Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. We're delighted uh, you do this program and uh, look forward to welcoming you to our events. Susan, tell everybody, send out an email, tell everyone to just say, hey, Google, play the South Bay show, or Alexa, play the South Bay show. (laughs) Susan, tell, tell, tell everybody, because we're so excited that they've included us. This has been years in the making uh, to be not approved, but I don't know, they have to see that you're going to survive long enough or that you have enough <laughs> shows on a regular basis to make it worthwhile for them to approve. But anyway, we've been approved and we're in and we're thrilled about it. And uh, and uh, bring your friends and neighbors, the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. You can, you can engender like a lifelong passion in your children. That's our show. Uh, thank you, Jackie. Always a pleasure, Joe. And I'm off tomorrow, right? Remember, I'm, I'm right. not going to be uh, on the show tomorrow. Understood. You and Kelly are going to do all the heavy lifting tomorrow because I am not going to have electricity for eight hours. <laughs> so, um, no, no, seriously, seriously. Have you ever been in your yeah. house where you don't have electricity? I mean, it's like you can't do anything. So I have already arranged <laughs> to be out of the house and um, – yeah, so I'm not going to be on the show tomorrow because right. I'm not going to have electricity, but I do have to say that SoCal Ed was very thorough in letting us know. that we, I mean, we got phone calls, right. we got mail, I got emails, uh, so 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 they, they were quite good at giving us fair warning. So um, have a good weekend. Have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, we'll see you soon, and certainly uh, uh, check us out tomorrow because this is – unbelievably important that all these laws going into effect in California, 
very important to you and your business and your family's lives. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody.